What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Hail Varsity Radio Saturday morning show. It is nice to have you alongside. My name is Mark Cranach, joined by Elijah Herbal. And we got Damon on the controls today? No, Damon's last day was Thursday. Oh, so you're doing both. Yeah, I'm, I'm running double duty. What's up, Damon? Hope things are good, man. Um, <laughs> like to Damon. So, yeah, look at you. Now, da- I'm going to try to I'm gonna try to throw throw you a bunch of curveballs in just to see if you can, like, handle both. Is that cool? That's just part of growing up. That's oh. just part of getting into the business. Oh, I can, I can always handle it. I'm, a, I'm an A1 producer here. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, but, right. but Damon graduated, um, and now he is headed off to law school in the fall. So what? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was smarter than us this whole time. <laughs> he he is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he he went to Pius the Tenth High School, and they did, they just build him different over there. Yeah. Apparently. Oh well. Good on Damon. That's that's. Uh, I'm sad that he's gone, but. Um, but not forever. I mean, the guy, he's going to be in law school, and we'll probably need him because we'll say something stupid in 10 years. And, um, and we, we had our broadcast him, lawyer, yeah. Need him to defend us in court. It could happen. Uh, super busy off-season week, and we got a lot to get to. And um, it's really going to span the gamut. You know, and we're, we're also going to have Brandon Vogel back, which will be nice. We'll talk to him uh, in the next hour, along with the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. We will rewind with Gary Barnett, former Colorado and Northwestern coach, who joined the show earlier this week. Chris Schmidt, not here today because he's being a good dad. Uh, and he is, uh, what, Grand Island, Carney, somewhere in western Nebraska. Yes, Grand Island. Total western Nebraska. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's there to watch his boy play baseball. And so uh, me and Elijah are filling in for you today. So, okay, this is sort of like one of those news roundup weeks, right? There's just kind of a lot of stuff cracking. Um, One of them being, and I'm going to start here real quick, gloss through it. Lexi Sun announces that she is coming back with her extra year of eligibility that everybody now has. Of course, right? And in almost all the sports because of the extra COVID year. She did not have to do that, obviously. She was Gatorade National Player of the Year coming out of high school. Um, two-time All-American, has plenty of pro and beach potential. But, but she decides to come back and, and run it back for Nebraska, which is just huge, especially with Jazz Suite leaving. You still you maintain somebody on, on the outside hitting spot. Um, somebody of that talent, but all right. I now, Elijah. I don't. I don't know if you follow volleyball that well, or would you consider yourself in the know, or just sort of like along the periphery, somewhat paying attention? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm like in the know. I don't have any volleyball inside sources or anything. Um, I I consider myself a Nebraska volleyball fan because why wouldn't you be a Nebraska volleyball fan at this point? I mean, football team hasn't made a bowl game in however many years. 
basketball teams on the come up, but still um, bottom half of the Big Ten. So why wouldn't you support the volleyball? It's like supporting the baseball team this spring. Like they're good. I'm gonna support them because I like Nebraska. Okay. All right. So so you're you're nominally aware of of the volleyball program. You, you support them. Are you familiar with the recruiting class that they signed in November? Best in the country. Do you know how best in the country, though? En- enlighten me, please. Okay. That's that's kind of where I was getting to. I was just trying to get to a point of where you would say, enlighten me, and then I would enlighten you, and then we'd all be enlightened. Um, so this is great. This is working out perfect. Kidding. So <laughs> they are the number one volleyball recruiting class, but the level to which is really absurd for, for folks that aren't in the know. Like, it could very well be the best volleyball recruiting class like ever at any school. The, the amount of talent that John Cook landed and is bringing in this next year, it includes six players. Now think about with volleyball, you, you only have six on the floor at any given time, right? So like an entire, presumably almost an entire team is coming. An entire extra team is being dumped uh, into the Devaney Center. Now, it's ranked first by prepvolleyball.com. That's the team. That's the group that, you know, just does all the volleyball rankings. They're the most in the know. They're, they're like the source for volleyball nationally. So Nebraska gets Kennedy Orr. She is the first ranked player in the country. She's out of Minnesota. She has been starting on the varsity volleyball program in Egan since she was in seventh grade. Number one player in the country, Gatorade player of of the year in Minnesota. Nebraska also gets the number two player in the country, outside hitter Lindsey Krause from Omaha Scott. They're also bringing in the number three player in the country. Um, and, and but Lind- Lindsey Krause, I'm sorry, she's out of Texas. Um, at, uh, no, 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 I had that right. Lindsey Krause out of Scott. Yeah. And then outside hitter Allie Battenhorst, she's the number three player in the country, and she's from Texas. Then you're bringing in Lexi Rodriguez from Illinois as a libero, the number 10 player in the country. Did you hear what I just said? Like, out of all the teams in America that any of these players could go to, Nebraska gets number one, number two, number three, and number 10 in one volleyball recruiting class. They're just getting started. So the people that are bringing up the rear of this class, because I mentioned there are six players, and I just gave you the four, numbers one, two, three, and ten. You got Waverly's outside hitter, Whitney Lonestein. She's number 16. She's still top 20. (laughs) That's not bad. And then the person that's just like, oh, what are you doing here? I mean, geez. Middle blocker Riley Gray out of Elkhorn, number 70. So she ranks way down on the list. Even though she was a two-sport star and she wasn't as much on the volleyball circuit, she, she played basketball, too. Only so number 70 in the country. Like, think about that. You're the 70th ranked player in America, and you're considered, like, the dud of the recruiting class. Like, if you just look at the numbers. it's I mean, that is absolutely crazy. The, the just level of talent that you are stockpiling in one class you come and this was back in November when they signed it, but the, you know that's right during the football season. And you know if you're not following, volleyball was on pause at the time. So if you're not following things, you, you know you could miss that. You could maybe hear, oh, it's the number one recruiting class. But when you look at the details of it, are you kidding me? And then now Lexi's son's 
coming back and being added to that mix. I mean, it's just a, and I'm, I'm trying to think about this, Elijah. I'm like, is there, is there any other program on the campus that you can reasonably expect to have a similar type recruiting class is any sport, any sport on campus. Cause that definitely throws water on the whole idea of, you know, no, you know, Nebraska is too limited geographically. The talent level isn't here. Blah, 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 blah. No, Nebraska the, look, prep volleyball is very well established in Nebraska per capita. Nebraska sends out more volleyball players to college than any other state per capita. It's not even close. Um, Terry Pettit helped kick that whole culture off decades ago and it's thriving now. But think about like, could football well, pull in the number one, two, three, ten players? No. Is there any team in the country that could pull the top three players in your recruiting class? I mean, Alabama football couldn't even do that. I mean, they they could try and maybe a one-off year they could pull one, two, and three. But I mean, how many other people could they even recruit if they're taking the top three in the country? Like that, that's just ridiculous. And the quote I see here from John Cook talking about this recruiting class was how they did this was in the summer of 2017, they, they had a camp, and they called it the Dream Team Camp, and they just invited their top players, uh, the top recruits in the country that they thought. And, and I just want you to realize, in the summer of 2017, these girls were, what, freshmen in high school? <laughs> Imagine having your recruiting board so f- fleshed out as these girls are freshmen in high school that you invite the top three players in the country, and you're right about that, four years before they even graduate high school. That's ridiculous. And they, well, they just took all the top players in the country at this camp. And apparently it's a big success because now they're getting the top three players in the country plus number 10 plus whatever number. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. And you're, you're right. It, it starts a lot earlier in volleyball and it's, that has something to do with how, how, you know, girls develop compared to boys. So like the signs are there a lot sooner, <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of the girls are physically mature when they're much younger than a boy is that that experiences bigger growth spurts so you know that's part of it um but even just that foresight to identify that level of talent bring them in and so so they're already like bonded they already know each other they've already been staying in touch and so you know nebraska volleyball does not look like it's going away anytime soon uh whatsoever and 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 you just cannot compare that to any other sport on campus and as you mentioned maybe even in the country Right? Like it's just it's as good of a recruiting job as you can possibly have for any sport on any campus in the United States of America. It's really that simple. Um, so unbelievable stuff. And then with Lexi's son coming back, still don't know about Lauren Stivrens. She's on the fence. She obviously has a lot of pro potential. But if she comes back plus these six, you know, look out. Um, my, my, Mark, my question to you is how long do you think John Cook is going to remain the head coach at Nebraska? He, he, he's getting up there towards retirement age, right? When, I saying? mean, he's very spry. He's in very good shape. He's not. I mean, he's built a dynasty. Like, the only reason I see him going away is spend some time with the wife, kids, grandkids, whatever. But, like, what's his re- I mean, he just recruited the top three players in the country. Like I, th- that, that should know. be setting yourself up for national championships for the next couple of years. Like, why would you want to leave right now? I, well, yeah. And who knows what, what his personal motivations mm-hmm. might be to, 
to want to leave or not leave. But I mean, you know, that, 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 that was the talk whenever he brought in uh, Hildebrand again, um, who was his assistant and then went off to USA Volleyball and then came back as the associate head coach, I believe. And, and that was kind of the, the whole – people thought that was the plan there. Is this, this is the head coach in waiting. It's kind of like uh, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. Um, sure. But, but then you see this and you go – well, maybe John Cook isn't ready to step away, or maybe he's he's setting the table a great recruiting class for his next head coach. I'm not sure, but regardless, I mean, John Cook's one of the best to ever do it, and I think it's going to be a sad day when he retires, but as I'm looking at this right now, I don't see reason for him to retire. You know, you're talking about a four, four-time national championship head coach. Um, been to the finals six times. Been to the semis nine times. I mean, he's, you know, 12 conference titles. He He's done everything you need to do. So, you know, it, who knows what his motivations will be? Who knows if, you know, it's been rumored, and it is not a stretch to think it could happen. It would just depend on how the university power structure wants to go. But, you know, there's been talk that when and if Bill Moose leaves, that John Cook could be a, a really viable candidate. Um, because keep in mind, he started too, but before he got into volleyball, he was, he was a football coach at the high school level, right? So he's, you know, he's, he's a coach. He, he really understands the coaching craft and just for, you know, whatever reason he ended up, he ended up really dialing in and focusing on volleyball and that worked, (laughs) that worked really well. Um, but he has universal respect, you know, throughout the, throughout the campus, throughout the state. He's well known. So you don't know exactly when he's, you know, thinking about stepping down. But just an absolutely huge week with with Lexi coming back. And, you know, we've barely gotten into some of the other stuff. So football-wise, a couple big things happen. The running back room thinned out a little bit. Ronald Tompkins, recruit out of uh, – or signee out of Georgia that's been on campus a couple years that has had, I believe, three devastating knee injuries. Um Good player, good attitude, hard worker, uh, has some skills too. But I, I, I would just imagine that you know there's maybe too much wear on the tires. Running back rooms too, too overloaded. And look, Elijah, we knew folks would go, right? You just didn't know exactly who. It's just I mean, it's like six scholarship running backs. You're, you're lucky if you if you could carry four on your roster. You're lucky, <laughs> right? Just with the transfer portal. So he steps aside and decides to transfer. And I don't think I don't think it's going to be done. I, I, I don't think you go into fall with all with the five remaining. Right. Well, I mean, I, I could see it just because Nebraska is still trying to find that, you know, every down running back that they can rely on, which I mean, they kind of had it with Dedrick Mills. You thought this year and then injuries kind of played a part there. But I would say Nebraska hasn't had that every down runner you can really rely on since Divine and Zigbo and they've been trying to search for it I think ever since Scott Frost arrived you know way back to to Greg Bell starting out he was starting running back and well he didn't even make it four games in Nebraska um then you look Diedrich Mills took him a little bit to get going his junior year and then his senior year the injuries plagued him um now this year you're waiting for one of these young guys to step up um Yant seems to be the the most likely candidate even though he's just an incoming freshman uh he, he impressed me in the spring game enough to think that, I mean, while he may not be an every down running back candidate this year, um, some, some packages I'm sure third and short goal line situations I'm expecting to see him in, but you still don't know who that 
every down workhorse running back is going to be because Marquis Steps got the foot issue. So I, I could see these five ga- five guys sticking around trying to, you know, compete through fall camp, see if they can become that workhorse guy and then maybe a, an early season transfer, an end of season transfer. I could see yeah. five. I, I also wouldn't be surprised if we had one, maybe even two hit the road uh, before summer. But you would think that would be coming soon uh, with uh, the spring semester ending, what, two weeks ago now. You'd think now would be the time that they're kind of looking around, trying to see who's going to need them in the fall. Um, so if there is another transfer, I'd expect before June 1st um, for sure. So yeah. I, I, don't, I, I could see it either way. Uh, I, I do not see it as a surprise that a running back left. Now, I'm not surprised that Ronald Tompkins was the one who left, uh, considering the knee injuries that he had kind of derailed his career a little bit. Um, rooting for the guy, though. I hope, hope he lands on his feet somewhere uh, at a school that's going to be able to, to utilize him and his talents because th- really the, the, the small, shifty, like speedster back that Scott Frost recruited whenever he first started coming here has shown that it doesn't work in the Big Ten. Yeah, just it doesn't. It, it could if you have an embarrassment of riches and well, you just you, use it. What, as a what you need to have is you need to have right. that every down back that can come in and you know run it up the middle, uh, take on a linebacker in the hole, cause some cause some pain to that linebacker. Because then whenever the speedster running back comes in, it's going to be much tougher for that linebacker to to be able to adjust whenever he's got a, a downhill two hundred and forty pound running back running him over and then the next play he's got a 180 pound guy running around the corner beating him to the edge like th- that that's what you need but you can't have that that little guy trying to beat you to the edge every single play or else the linebackers are going to adjust yeah it's just not how things are set up it's not how the offense is evolving and it's you know a good sign that it is evolving you hope it bears fruit immediately Pro- probably a little bit too late of recognition about what would work in the big 10 um but the the staff does seem to realize what they need to do and do where you, they need to take it. Do you and by the way, that, what I mentioned. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was. Do you, do you think that 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 reluctance to to switch is a little bit of arrogance from from Frost and his staff, seeing what worked at UCF, seeing what worked at Oregon, and then they made it through a year at Nebraska, and they said, "Well, let's let's keep on going. Maybe we haven't found that right guy yet." And they made it another year. Okay, let's keep on trying to recruit these speedster backs. Maybe we haven't found the right guy yet. And, and now to year four, do you think it was just arrogance that took it this long? I don't think it was that as much it was as it was confidence and just looking at what they were used to especially coach frost himself well that, that line coming, between, coming, that line between like, arrogance and confidence is, is it's, it's a fine line but but when you're coming from oregon and ucf and you've been recruiting a certain profile for so long right because physically and profile wise oregon and ucf are pretty similar and they just really are you know and so i think frost sitting there saying no, no i've seen it work at the power five level I've seen what we do against SEC teams when it's right, right? And so he just he sticks to it and then commits to it. But then I, I don't think he expected the the amount of transfers that would happen and the amount of kind of roster overhaul that he would have to do. I think you combine all those things plus the realization of the just sheer meat grinder style of the Big Ten that you're into week in and week out. You really don't know about it until you go through it. And I think he's, you know, I think the, I think he made the adjustment. I, I kind of wish it would have been a little earlier, <laughs> you know, but it wasn't. And that's fine. But no question this year, the, the, the kind of team that Nebraska is trotting out, when you compare it, like starting lineup wise, size wise across the board, very different than what he trotted out on the field uh, his first year. Oh, right. It's just yeah. an entirely different profile. Took him a while to get there. And by the way, it takes this stuff a while to take hold, too. He could have recognized it, you know, 
midway year through midway through year one. But now you got to establish the recruiting connections and then you got to actually sign the people and then they got to actually get here and then they have to actually learn the play. Right. It takes a little bit. It's not like you can just be like, oh, oh, we need to be big and fast. Well, let's just go get the big and fast guys. Like, you know, it takes a bit. It's, 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 it's not like NFL free agency where you can just go no. go completely overhaul your roster in one year. Can't be no. paying. I mean, you, you can be paying these dudes big contracts, but that's under the table. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but that, that, that's the difference in the NFL is like you can completely overhaul a roster in one year. In college, it does take two, three years. And that's why Scott Frost has this this leash where now he hasn't made a bowl game in three years. You, you got to give him that time just because, I mean, really, this is his first go around as a power five head coach i mean ucf he had success there but that's so that's such a different animal than the big 10 you got to give him time to learn and adjust i'm, I'm with you yeah let's not forget either too uh, or not forget either that he, you know he was only at ucf for what two years three but yeah three three years so he's you know it's not like he was seasoned and and if and look nebraska it, backed up backed up to bring trucks to him not the other way around <laughs> he didn't come begging for the job. Nebraska begged him, ready or not. I think, I think he probably knew he wasn't entirely ready, right? Like, you know, you, you probably have that confidence as a, as a coach at that level in your ability no matter what, and you always convince yourself that you're ready for anything. Um, but having only three years' experience, I mean, you know, it, it takes a little bit to learn learn on the job. So we'll see if it we'll see if he's pulling the right triggers. And see if see if things uh, pan out starting this year, right? Like I think this is a year where you should start to evaluate wins and losses. I think you always do that with football, of course, but like it becomes more of an emphasis starting this year. Well, we we got about three minutes here, Mark. What, what's what's your take on how many wins does Scott Frost need to have here to keep his name off the hot seat? We, we've had the talk with Feinbaum Eight. saying that that he thought Scott Frost was going to be on the hot seat going into this season. Uh, he was ranked low, but is, is eight the number for you? Yeah, I think so. I, I think if you end up, you know, if, if you go like an ugly seven and five, no one's going to feel good about that. But if you go seven and five without an ugly loss, I mean, it feels like every year Scott Frost has had that ugly loss somewhere in yeah. Big Ten play where Minnesota uh, at Minnesota, you had uh, last year, Illinois. It, it just feels, I mean, you got even the Purdue loss two years ago. There, there's the ugly loss everywhere every single season so I think seven and five without that ugly loss if he's competitive in all five losses aside from say Oklahoma and Ohio State the two games where you know you're expecting that team to kind of come in and steamroll you I, I think that's enough to keep his job even six and six without any ugly losses that, that's at least a bowl game that's at least progress as a Husker fan I think this team is capable of more than six and six I know it's a, a tough schedule next year but what, what it's to me is I, I'm tired of a Husker fan watching Nebraska on Saturdays and being embarrassed of the product on the field. So if we can avoid that this year, I- I'm happy keeping keeping Scott here. No no hot seat talk, please, as long as it's just not embarrassing to be a Husker fan this year. I know that's a low bar to set, but whenever you're building the program, that that's where it's got to start. I am tired of being embarrassed as a Husker fan. You know, look, six and six, it, it depends on you know, context matters, obviously. You know, say if he's dealing with a huge rash of injuries – you know, they'll, they'll be, they'll be a longer leash. Um, but you know, if, if you stay relatively healthy, you get to the finish line and then Iowa trounces you to end the year and prevent bowl eligibility. Eh. Eh. <laughs> I, 
I don't think fans are going to be tolerant of that. Right? Got to get to a bowl game. Got to quit being embarrassed. You know, you got to quit. You got to play cleaner football. Mm -hmm. You got to win more games. And I think they all know that. I think they all know. By the way, you mentioned Jacquez Yant being in the mix in the running back room. He's not even a scholarship guy. He's a walk-on guy. So you really upset. You really had seven running backs in the room to consider. We'll step aside, come back with the rewind with Gary Barnett. More to come. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to talk some college football. We welcome in the coach, Hall of Famer at Colorado and Northwestern, Gary Barnett. Coach, how was the uh, the week of putting? How was the golf game? We want to start with that first. Uh, it was a good week of putting. Uh, it, it's okay. It's getting better. I'm doing a little golf tech work, which I uh, it's been a good experience for me. I advise anybody who wants to get better to to go down there and get in on that program but uh yeah it was good the weather's good it's been windy i'm actually anxious to get away from or eager to get away from all this windiness that we've had down here in arizona so uh departing today for colorado be there this afternoon that'll be good gary barnett's with us so we we left off uh, last week <laughs> with the story of your your black gt 26 convertible Mustang that had Husker red on the interior. How did things transpire? And, and you got a curveball. Uh, you snuck an interview in with us, bless your heart, as you were trying to make a deal. You had a cracked windshield. Lay it out for us. How did it go? You know what? Uh, I, I deal with farmers, and farmers had it all done in 15 minutes. The windshield was replaced the next day. Uh, while I was on the phone, the guy brought my check out to me, uh, <laughs> and I was in a in an Uber in about ten minutes heading home. It all went really well. So uh, amidst all that fire and the excitement, it all ended well. So uh, and I, you know, somebody's going to get a nice car, 2016 Mustang Black. The Mark Kia uh, dealer uh, did a great job. So all's well. So I got to ask the the next question: What is next for for Coach Barnett, sports car wise? Then, no, I think I'm done for a while. So uh, you know, I, I think I'm just going to sit back and wait and see if there's something I really would like to have. Otherwise, I'm going to be a little little more traditional. Okay, because well, you're a big car guy. We've had the, the the chat before about sports cars. I mean, there's there's going to be one that that pops up for you. Well, I know I I saw a uh, 2014 Grand Turismo Maserati uh, that only had 14,000 miles on it, and but it was gone before I could uh, call the dealership. So, but that's it. But uh, it's got to be something that you know I'm not going to spend a lot of money for it. So, by the way, so okay, uh, I, I like that. Thirty-five, forty, forty-five thousand dollar range. I can't go outside of that. Well, good, good for you, man. You got to stay in your window. Got to stay <laughs> yeah, in the your lane, man. <laughs> Gary Barnett's with us, coach. Got to get into some football and always kind of appreciate. I'm in, intrigued by the the coach rankings that come out, 
and CBS Sports, uh, they do this every year, and it's kind of an ongoing ranking. You, you go up, you go down, you stay. And uh, I was kind of intrigued with uh, where Scott Frost has gone. He uh, chimed in yesterday at number 46. Uh, they're ranking the, you know, the 65 Power 5 coaches. That's a drop of, of 14 spots from last year. That's a drop of 22 spots in two years. And it gets into the bigger conversation, you know, about Coach Frost and, and heading into year four. You know, when, when we talk about your experience as coach, do you remember your year fours, A, at Northwestern, B, at, at Colorado? Did you just look at them as the next year, or was there some significance to a fourth year? I think, uh, it, you know, it just depends on how you've done before that. And, um, it, you know, if you've had, if you've had a couple good years, you just, you just want to keep it going. You know, if you haven't had that breakout year, then, uh, then, then it is significant because everybody looks at you and you're, you know, you're the, the noise of your job being on the line and the fact that this is the fourth year, all that stuff can, can really distract you, uh, take you away from what you're really supposed to be doing. And uh, it just depends, I think, on how strong you are uh, in doing all this stuff. And so, uh, you know, those rankings, you know, hopefully Scott pays no attention to them. Hopefully nobody else does either um, because it can, you know, becomes noise out there. And what happens today is is people listen to the noise. It didn't, there didn't used to be so much noise because there wasn't the social media and there wasn't the 24-7 new uh, sports cycle and there wasn't a ranking of the top 65 coaches and those sort of things but all that stuff on the outside looks like it's just sort of interesting information but the uh, the consequences the unintended consequences are that it creates a mindset by players coaches um, you know administrators it it gets in there and if people are likely to let that stuff uh, get in their head, then it becomes an issue, and it's it's usually negative. And uh, I mean, it's just it's completely different. But year four is if you've struggled as as Scott has, and we all know that, um, you know, it becomes a big year for you because of the noise. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You mentioned the noise and the mindset, and when it comes to doubt. I mean, that's a real thing. Coaches can 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 that noise create doubt in coaches, lack of confidence. Have you have you seen some of your peers have that happen to them? Well, I think it depends upon how uh, obviously how strong you are, mm-hmm. and you know whether or not as a player you were taught about what doubt will do to you. As a coach, you preach to your players what doubt will do to you. It's it's like water into a crack of a rock. When it freezes, it'll break that rock up. If you let that water in, if you let that doubt in, that that has the capacity to do that. So it just depends on how strong you are and how much you really believe in what you're preaching. Um, and so you always uh, you're always thinking, you know, am I good enough? Am I doing this right? Am am I going in the right direction? Am I making the right decision? And 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 you need to con- you need to contemplate that kind of stuff, and be realistic about it, and be objective. Um, 
but sometimes the noise takes away the objectivity and all of a sudden, um, you know, you're prone to listen to something or you're prone to believe something or you're prone to maybe want to believe something. And so it's, um, it's, it's just human nature. But I, I think, like I said, the, the, what it really boils down to is how strong you are, how much you believe in what you tell your players. And you have to be an example uh, to me, this is a, you know, something like what Scott's got is he's got a great chance to show leadership. How you stand up amidst uh, the rockets falling around you and the grenades going off and the, you know, snipers that are out there. Um, you know, you're the leader, and so you, if you let it affect you, it'll show. And if you do that, then you know it's it's harder to teach against it. It's harder to teach how to avoid it. Uh, because if you can't avoid it yourself, then your, your your leadership comes into question. Gary Barnett's with us. Few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio, talking some college football, the uh, the coach rankings. Coach, I'm interested here in, in a couple of guys on this list that, that have uh, either stayed really highly ranked or kind of emerged and uh, a guy you know well, your your player, Coach Fitz at Northwestern, he's always in that top 15, top 10. He, he comes in at number eight, and he has done an, an incredible job at Northwestern. What what kind of wows you most about Fitz, knowing him like you do, but also knowing the difficulty of the job at Northwestern? Uh, well, his staying power is, is what's number one, because that is – you know, every job in college football is tough, but there are those who have more inherent tough problems than others. And Northwestern is one of those places, more complicated problems. Um, you know, every, every, every problem is a challenge and every problem is hard to solve, but, but um, he's got complicated problems, not, not problems, but complicated challenges that he has to, uh, ride through and over and around and, and maneuver. And so I think to have the staying power and the consistency that he's had, you know, that's the mark of a, of, of a really good coach. And the great coach in Fitz's situation is the consistency uh, year in, year out to take, to have that program uh, go to the number of bowls that it has, uh, to have the number of bowl victories that it has uh, is really unless you're really in the business, you don't understand how, what an amazing feat that has been. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he certainly, you know, those rankings are any good. And if if you like them, then he certainly deserves to be where he is. Uh, And, you know, it's going to be, his whole deal is going to get complicated more so now because he loses his athletic director uh, to become the commissioner. Then he loses the guy that was supposed to be the athletic director uh, to uh, just noise, mm-hmm. and then uh, on top of that, his president's going to resi- retire in a year. Who's been an ardent, terrific supporter. So you know his his deal is just going to get more complicated. You you laid out <laughs> the definition of complications, guys that have been kind of locked arms with you for a while. You're going to have new uh, new bodies uh, in those offices at Northwestern. Let's talk Tom Allen in Indiana. I'm, I, I guess, count me in on the, the bandwagon of Tom Allen. I love his attitude. I love his energy. 
and you know maybe I'm a sucker for sound bites, but guys always have eye contact with him. And I know he's kind of climbed the ladder, but I think Indiana, A, they've been fun, but he has brought some defense to a place that had a lot of good offense, you know, with Kevin Wilson's with Wilson's system. He's got a good pipeline to Florida. Are you buying stock in Indiana to keep climbing? Oh, I think you've got to. Um, you know, Tom. what Tom's done is, is very similar uh, as I watch it from afar. I'm sure the, the, the uh, details of it aren't the same, but very similar to our challenges at Northwestern um, and to uh, our emergence. Um, and I'm sure Tom's done it similarly, but his situation is a little bit different. But his challenge has been, I mean, that's, a, that's been a really tough place to win. And so all of a sudden, uh, he wins. He wins big. And now he's, you know, he's eating up the transfer portal. I mean, there's guys that want wanting to go there. And that's part of the noise. When you have good noise going on out there, people listen to it. When you have bad noise going on, they listen to that too. And so the good noise right now is sending kids out of the portal or high school kids to, to want to go for somebody who has been – uh, one really appreciated by his players and by the people who work with him and the coaches that work with him. Coach, uh, when we talk about that good and bad noise, you have the possibility of complacency. Uh, say you've done some things you've never done before. How do you battle against complacency either week to week or season to season? I mean, how do you uh, – and I was talking to a, a guy that, that is – pretty big into the Bama program yesterday, and that's like kind of the, the one thing, one of many things they marvel about with Saban is there's just not a lot of complacency now. They're, they're loaded with talent, but he's not putting his feet up a lot. As a coach, how do you deal with that complacency element if it kind of starts growing after success? Well, I, I find that humorous to hear people talk about coaches getting complacent. I, I'm telling you, it just doesn't happen. That's not the way coaches are bred. That's not the way they're brought up. It's but what about your DNA. team? What about your team? Oh, well, the, it's all about leadership. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, leaders don't let their people become complacent. Uh, leaders influence. And uh, it's your job to get young people, young men, to understand, the, you know, the the damage that complacency can do. And you've got to constantly make them aware. It's got to be a constant push. Everything you do in your program has got to be an example of avoiding complacency and staying, um, continue to move up. No matter, you know, the higher you get, the harder it is to to go and continue the arrow going up. Mm. But uh, you've got to do it. That's who you are. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all leadership and, you know, He's a perfect example at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Nick's a perfect example of. I mean, he's not complacent in anything, and so uh, nothing, nothing in his life, and he lives his life that way. And so that's what young people are watching. So when that's all you're around, when that's the only thing your coach shows, then then it's catching. It can be catching, and you hope hope it is. A thought on on quarterbacks as they head into their senior year. And uh, you've seen uh, the some mistakes by kids as as they were young, and you've seen them get more seasoned and make plays. What was kind of your game plan 
when you knew you had a senior quarterback coming back to, to help maximize their best and go out the right way. What was what was your plan? What were the goals as you worked with those quarterbacks as they went into their final uh, final ride? Well, it's not any different with your quarterback than any any of your other players. Uh, and you know, if you've done a good job of communicating and you have a good relationship, you know right where what he wants, and he knows just what he needs to do because you've helped him outline that. I mean, it's a it's a process that you go through from the time they're freshmen, and as they change and evolve and get better, you're the right there with them. You know what you they've got to believe in what you tell them. It, you know, Chris like life it all comes down to who you choose to listen to that is the number one thing out there who do you choose to listen to it has to do with politics it has to do with getting better it has to do with coaching football or being a player uh who do you choose to listen to and so you got to constantly keep hitting that message and uh, you know you meet three four five times a year um with each one of those players and you try to you know, you stay up with them. You know where they are. You, you let them know when they're when they're going the wrong direction, and then they either choose to listen to you or not listen to you. So it's it's complicated, and and it's uh, you know it's life. But it's it comes down to leadership, and it comes down to uh, who you choose to listen to as a player or as a coach. Two guys you had great bonds with, and you're still close with today. Uh, let us in, if you can, just to, to that relationship with, with Joel Klatt and also Darian Hagan. Nebraska fans remember both, obviously, but those are two guys that you smile about a lot. Yeah, no no question about it. Uh, Hagan was one of the most fun kids I've ever coached, but you had to keep him challenged because he was so talented that he's a guy that could come become complacent. And so I had to come up with something creative just to get him to practice taking snaps because, you know, it was, it was just old hat to him and he, he needed constant challenges. So, you know, instead of just taking snaps from the center, I made him take a snaps and throw the ball down the field into a bucket. And so then I would bet him as to how many he could put in there. And so, but you had to come up with that stuff with Hagen every day just to get him to do those sort of things because he was so talented. Joel was a grinder and is a grinder to this day. And, and Joel took everything on his shoulders, uh, never got complacent. He needed to get more complacent at times. He needed to loosen up. So it's, you know, you got to hit the right, you got to find the right button and you got to hit it. Uh, and so with, with Joel, I had to just sort of calm him down and take some pressure off of him sometimes because he put so much pressure on himself. So how'd the bets go with Hagen? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I mean, I was constantly coming up with something, but because he'd get tired of throw, hitting them all, throwing all the balls in the bucket, so I'd move the bucket further down. Hmm. Um, you know, I'd come up with something else. So, you know, it, it was fun. You know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't lay up at night lay awake at night trying to think of what I was going to do, I'd come up with it just before we went on the field. But, you know, your mind's always thinking that way. Okay, uh, we're going to go to this period. What do I got to do to each guy to get them to be involved? Pretty good. So, Gary Barnett with us. Coach, you take care. Have a good trip to Colorado. Thanks for the time today. All right. You too, Chris. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, 
Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Hail Varsity Radio, Saturday morning show. Nice to have you alongside Mark Cranach and Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt. He's being a good dad. He's watching his boy play ball way out in western Nebraska, Grand Island. Uh, so he uh, taking the weekend off to do that thing. And speaking of being a dad, we'd like to welcome in and welcome back managing editor for Hail Varsity, Brandon Vogel. Brandon, welcome back. Congratulations, the proud papa of a beautiful little boy named Max. How many hours have you slept combined in the last three weeks? Uh, Yeah, so he was exactly three weeks old um, yesterday. So I'm going to say our average is probably about three and a half, four. so, well, we'll just call it four, make it easy. 84 hours over the past three weeks. I think that, <laughs> that was in the ballpark. You've always been a numbers guy. That was very good, quick math. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was excellent. Um, how's that going, man? I, I, you know, like, I know, you, you know, we, we can't spend the whole segment on it, but come on. This is a, <laughs> this is a new life in your life. Um, they are so tiny and so helpless right now. Like, you know, it's your, and it's your first kid, right? It is, um, and, and it is a totally, <laughs> a totally new life. Um, you know, thinking about it back in retrospect of the, the day of, it was like, you know, we we went there with the old life we have, and and then you leave three days later with with an entirely new one, which you know, I know uh, a lot of people have have experienced that. So, but I love it. I I, I really do uh, love taking care of them. All in all, I feel like so far we've gotten pretty lucky you know he's just gonna he's gonna wake up every few hours and that's how it goes so the sleep part of it gets a little bit tougher you stack a couple of of rough nights and boy you you really are (laughs) the frustration level goes grows but for the most part uh i've been really really fortunate i think he's he's been a pretty good a pretty good baby brendan i I was gonna say as a as a young 20 something single guy that the concept of having a kid is still just so foreign to me so do, do you recommend it right now's your chance to, to warn me away from it <laughs> do you recommend do you recommend continuing our species <laughs> i i do rep, rep, recommend propagating our, our species um though you know if it just if it turns out elijah that it's just not for you like as long as we don't have too many people who decide that uh, the, the life will go on, but I do I do recommend it. I wouldn't do it uh, anytime in the near future, Elijah. As you mentioned, you're you're a young man who, who's still got a lot of the world to see. So oh, I don't take plan your on. time. There you go, <laughs> Brandon. I'm wondering. It took me all of maybe a week and a half to think back on my life prior and to be like, my God, I was lazy, and I had. <laughs> I had such ample rest opportunity, right? I mean, have you already come to that realization of like, what did I even do with my time? Yeah, and especially with uh, the timing of where this one fell. Uh, you know, our main issue just came out on on Wednesday, so I came back two days before 
that went to press. Um, so it, 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 you do, you just have to get a lot more efficient of like, okay, I've got three hours and yeah, I would love to just sit on the couch and, and take a breather for a second, but you better use those three. Um, otherwise you're just going to fall so far behind on everything that, so, and I, I I'm, I'm big on efficiency, uh, in, in all facets. So I, I'm grateful for the help, even though if it's not a ton of fun all the time. All right. Last, just last little uh, baby talk here. If you don't already own it, I, you probably have discovered oh, that would be really nice to have it. Like the, I think the only requirement for having a baby that you need to like purchase is a rocking, reclining, swiveling, overstuffed chair. And because you speak about efficiency, the, the baby's going to pass out on you. You're stuck. You can't move. You maybe need to adjust a little bit. You maybe need to sleep while the baby's sleeping on you. You drop your phone. You need to be able to swivel and get it. Like it is the most efficient device that you can have in your home for your comfort, for his or her comfort. It's just a required. Like, do you have that? I do not, but I'm going to take that under advisement and prepare a proposal for the many members of my household. Uh, we have a rocking chair. It's very kind of bare bones. Like, it gets the job done. It puts them to sleep. But you are right. And this is something you don't know and nobody tells you uh, going into this whole deal of, like, you're going to get stuck a lot of places. You're just going to be like, I can't move. I can't do anything. <laughs> so you need tools that can help you do that. So this is a, this is a very good tip. You bet, man. And, and, and because I know that you have – um, you know, raising an infant brain right now, I can also like text this to you later so that you, cause you won't even remember this call. So, and that's fine. You're the brain can only take so much. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's transition here into, um, we're going to start off with, with volleyball here and the announcement of Lexi's son coming back. She's going to use that fifth year. No word on Lauren Stivrens yet. Um, you couple that with Nebraska's recruiting class that's coming in, and we want to dive into more detail about that in a bit. What does that do to Nebraska's prospects coming into next year? Considering that, I, I thought they looked – look, they, it's a very good program, obviously. But a little outclassed physically – Right. Once they got deeper and deeper in the turn, like when you saw the level of physicality from Texas and from Kentucky, it, you know, Nebraska's like a quarter step behind that. What, what do you think this does to, to to their prospects coming into this next year? Yeah, for me, I, I looked at it as a little bit of a bridge or maybe a widening of bridge with sun coming back between kind of Nebraska's previous slash current era, you know, and I'm including kind of 2017 in there, you know, that kind of builds towards national championships and this new class, which people have been talking excitedly about for very good reason, you know, for a year and a half now, um, which is going to represent kind of a, a new era for Nebraska volleyball. Um, you have to, you can bring in six people. I mean, that's, an, that's an entire like starting starting roster for, for a volleyball team, potentially. Um, so you're just going to turn over quite a bit. So having Lexi, I think, broadens, you know, th that transition period for them. It's not such a clear cut, like, okay, this was the Nebraska of the late 2010s, and now this is 2020s Nebraska. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, Lexi's obviously a very good player. She's an All-American. 
I get the sense that the with the way this past season ended against Texas, some of the stuff that happens afterwards, and this isn't just you know Lexi, um, it's it's Coach Cook as well. I, I I think there's a pretty high level of motivation, and we've seen in volleyball before at Nebraska and plenty of other places. You bring in these high-powered recruits, and they can have an, an immediate impact. You know, it's not so much like football where. You can have immediate impact freshmen, but they're still, you know, they're not like first team All American. In volleyball, that that happens. So, and I think Nebraska has that kind of class. So, Brandon, you talked about like this this new era for Husker volleyball. Lexi Sun's going to, I assume, be the leader who's going to be able to bring these uh, these these new girls in and kind of get them adjusted to the team, get them playing at that level. So, how important do you think it is that? Lauren Stiverance, her decision to, to either return or go pro. I mean, as a Husker fan, should I be rooting for that? Or, or is it time to kind of turn the page and get this new era in and get, get this new era some playtime? No, I think I think definitely root for it. Um, she, of course, is, is really good. And it's really along with, with Nicklin Haynes, the, the emotional heart of these past couple of teams. And, and, and I think, you know, and, and Lexi Sun has provided really good leadership and evolved, evolved in that role as well. If Lauren's not there, um, Lexi obviously has to kind of step in and take over more of that duty. The thing that's interesting to me about that is, so these recruits were on campus this spring, um, this incoming class. They, they got a practice. Like, they're pretty much already integrated into the team. They just didn't get a play. So if you come back with, with Lawrence Stiverance, it's almost like you're you're just continuing the 2021 season. Um, what I mean, I guess it will still be the 2021 season, but you're almost just continuing the spring season with six new players who now are suddenly available for games, but have already been practicing with you, been training with you, been in meetings, and just been part of the team. Um, it's it's super interesting. Brandon Vogel with us on the Hill Varsity Radio. Uh, now, it, look, it's all relative whenever you're discussing, discussing best this, best that, and you follow volleyball closely. But from being somewhat on the periphery of the volleyball world and just looking at the quality of the recruiting class, you're talking about the number one player in the country, the number two player in the country, the number three player in the country, number 10, number 16, and number 70. So, I mean, you're talking five top 20 players four top 10 players, three top five players. And then you got number 70 bringing up the rear, which is also very good. It, it just looks like it could be literally one of the best recruiting classes ever for like any sport in any university, right? Like it's, you cannot recruit better than that. Can you in any sport? No, it, it's tough to, and I don't even think it's it's totally possible in football just because the classes are bigger. Like honestly, and I mean not to not to get ahead of ourselves here or anything, but just based on the recruiting rankings, like the only kind of comp that comes to mind for me is Michigan in the Fab Five, and I don't even mm-hmm. think all five of those guys were that highly rated. Jalen Rose and Chris Weber were. Juwan Howard was you know certainly a, a top twenty player, but like Ray Jackson and Jimmy King, I think were a little bit further down further down the list, but you almost have to have it in a sport like that. And, you know, you just get things start rolling. They start recruiting each other. Um, They're in the right areas for you. You make an early connection. Um, And and Nebraska was pretty intentional about putting this class together. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to think of many others, uh, recruiting class-wise, and in any sport that, at least coming in, you're like, oh, look at what's the potential on paper here. Um, it's People are really, really excited about it, and I'm really excited to see it, too. Brandon, I, I mean, you talk about the Fab Five. I mean, every great recruiting class needs a nickname of some sort. You got the Fab Five at Michigan. I mean, uh, John Cook said that they, they called it a, a dream team camp back in 2017 whenever they had a lot of these girls on campus uh, in a recruiting slash camp environment. But do you have a proposal for a, a, a nickname for this recruiting class? I, I don't. Um, I, we can maybe call the dream team the working title, but that's that's obviously not going to work. We got to come up with something better. You and I can work that workshop that Elijah yeah, over okay. the summer. Um, I, I know you have baby brain right now. Taken. So. <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, you, you do need a recruiting. You do need a nickname. Um, but let's. I want to see him play at Nebraska first. Um, we'll, we'll get some. I'll get some for you later. Sensational six can be. I mean, that's not that exciting, you know. But I don't know. Maybe just build from there in your in your uh, workshop session. Put that on the whiteboard and then just let it branch from there. As you know, just as, I'm not trying to raid your guys' session. Can I come to your session? I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> is that is that can we? Let's all do that. Um, so some other news this week: um, Nebraska, Northwestern, Dublin. 2022 your thoughts on that opening the season against i would say you know when you look at the history of nebraska northwestern i that's their most competitive that's the most equally competitive matchup i think in the big 10 across the board um in terms of opponents at nebraska really since the start of the big 10 just for whatever reason those two really get into clashes what do you think is starting the year across the pond next year with Northwestern? Uh, I like Illinois better for, for Nebraska's uh, chances, but I, I'm, I'm glad they were able to get the game uh, back on the schedule. I know a, a lot of Husker fans, um, my parents included, were, were really looking forward to, to making that trip and the chance to see them, um, see Nebraska play in Ireland. So, so that's that's good. You know, the tough thing with Northwestern is, and I, I think 2021 will be interesting for them. Uh, they really have to replace a lot. But so I, I'm kind of expecting them to take their lumps a little bit this year. Um, but by 2022, they'll have a bunch of guys who just got done taking lumps, and they'll probably bounce back. I mean, that's the the, the classic kind of trajectory at Northwestern. And what you have with that program is, you know, they're so buttoned up, they're so detail-focused that when you look at moving a game to Europe, things have a chance to get a little bit um, – it's just you have to deal with a lot of different things. In terms of programs, I'm confident in being able to, like, deal with it and just treat it like, okay, we're just playing this football game over here now. Northwestern is pretty high in that group, so – it's it's going to be a you know presumably it'll be a pretty tough game like you said all of the Nebraska Northwestern games have been tightly contested for the most part so it's not going to be an easy one but I'm I'm glad Nebraska's getting the chance to do it still. Brandon, we were talking back in the first hour just about the surplus of running backs that Nebraska has right now in that room. Uh, and now Ronald Tompkins uh, announced into the transfer portal he's going to be out of that running back room. But there is still just a lot of young talent sitting in there. So my, my question to you is, by the time we get to this game in Ireland, who do you think is going to step up out of that room and be a, a feature back, or, or will there be one? 
Yeah, I, I think one will emerge um, by that point. Who it is, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I'm, I'm not sure. I would probably put my top two picks at the moment as uh, Marvin Scott and, and Gabe Irvin. I think um, I don't want to just totally gloss over Savion Morrison or Marquis Step, but um, I just I haven't seen as much of, of either of those guys. Um, not that I've seen a ton of Irvin. So I think when I look at those two in particular, they kind of have the do everything skill sets that I think this offense needs, but Nebraska does need somebody to emerge. You know, you'll look back, or at least I look back, kind of Rex Burkhead right into Amir Abdullah, and you had two running backs who just kind of like, who just willed it, you know. They were guys who were extremely talented and were, you know, pretty high-profile recruits in the case of Burkhead, certainly. Um and they showed that ability, but they also showed those, you know, the plays where there's nothing there and they still made something happen. And, and Nebraska's had some good running backs at, since those two, but they haven't had guys that consistently do that. And, and do they have one now on the roster? I don't know. They, they have a lot of options, though, um, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you bring that up, and and um, I'm right there with you. But then you you, you even before Rex Burkhead, Halu, right? So you had yep. A, a string of multi-year reliable starters that all had sort of different game-breaking type attributes. Um, God, for probably about eight years or so, <laughs> and you really haven't had that since. Yeah, and, I mean that that was like my entire like youth was Helu into Burkhead into Amir Abdullah. At, at the time, I just thought that was what was expected. I just thought that was normal. Well, and it kind of <laughs> was though. I, just, I mean, like you know, for for quite some time, it was just you know running back, and then they. Pass on the torch, and for the most part, you know, I, I think if you look back over the 30 years, Nebraska's probably had more seasons with multi-year starters at running back than not. You know, it's just kind of how it's been for a long time. So, yeah, interesting to see kind of who emerges, um, who who emerges out of that group. Now, Brandon, I know too. You know, especially uh, Greg on the team, and and um, and Jacob, and Derek, and other, and Aaron expecting a pretty big recruiting month here in the next couple of weeks, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so things are going to open up across the, across the board for most teams throughout the country. And, you know, Nebraska has had a lot of time to kind of plan for this grand reopening, uh, so to speak with, with their camps and, and what they're doing. And, you know, we see some things that are a little bit familiar from what they've done in past summers and, there's, there's going to be some new pieces to it too. Um, so they're going to, you know, I think every team's going to be in the, Hey, let's get, let's make up as much ground as we can as quickly as possible. I certainly expect that from Nebraska. And, you know, back in March, when I kind of wrote a recruiting feature, these June, July are really, really crucial summer months because the, the data would suggest that you're in the sweet spot in terms of players who commit then it's, it has been in the past kind of the perfect time for keeping those players on campus. You know, guys who are too, too far, too much earlier than that, you know, they, they get a chance to get new offers and so on and so forth. Guys that are a little bit later than that, maybe they haven't done all of their due diligence. So this summer period is when you kind of get, I think, the bedrock of your class bill and you get, you tend to get guys who stick around. So We'll see how much the haywire timeline uh, forced by the pandemic might change that. But 
over the past 20 years at Nebraska, that has certainly been the case. Brandon, before we let you get out of here, uh, I just want to ask you, what is on Brandon Vogel's recruiting wish list? Not necessarily any players, but is it a high-level quarterback? Is it that difference-making running back? Uh, is it a deep-threat wide receiver? Give, give me one position or, or one position group that you think, yeah, that, that's what I want Nebraska to, to be focusing on recruiting this summer. Um, there's, there's a lot of options there. I think maybe I'll just take the biggest swing right off the top and, and look for some kind of singular defensive line talent, which is much easier said than done. Um, the competition is high for those guys. I'm not talking about, oh, they, they landed a, a five-star, you know, defensive end from Georgia. So that would be awesome if they did. Um, I'm talking about kind of D-line recruiting at the level that we see from, from Iowa and Wisconsin. And, and Nebraska hasn't been far behind. In fact, I really like the defensive line they have coming back for, for 2021. But you're still kind of looking for that singular playmaker, the, the type of player who just is capable of causing problems all on his own, um, no matter how you scheme, and scheme against him um, and, and how many people you devote to him. Uh, it's been a while since Nebraska's truly had one of those, too. Um, so I'll always put, just with the competition level out there for those recruits, if you can get a, a singular guy or even just a underappreciated sleeper type of player at defensive line, you're, you're going to reap benefits for multiple seasons. Brandon Bogle from Hale Varsity, um, the managing editor and proud new father of Max and – Brandon, don't worry, we recorded this call, so <laughs> you, you, there will be proof that it happened, because I know you will soon forget it, um, so uh, just let us know. If you're just like, hey, man, what happened on Saturday? We got the recording, okay? <laughs> I, pr- I appreciate it. When I open Wayfair tonight at 4 a.m. to get that whatever piece of furniture you told me to get, I'll just listen back to the podcast, and, and then yep. I'll make sure you find the right one. See you. I knew it. You already forgot. It's a rocking, reclining, swiveling, overstuffed chair. Okay. Got it. It just rolls off the tongue right there. Yeah, it does. does. I'll send you some links. Okay. Uh, Appreciate you, Brandon. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. There's uh, Brandon Vogel. And Elijah, just wait, man. You're a a few years off. The thing thing about it is just that you just can't chill. You know what I mean? Like when you have when there's an infant there, they they can't do anything See, and that's, at all. That's for themselves. that's where I'm worried. Is one of my favorite things to do is chill. That's like yeah. that uh, of no. like my top five favorite things to do. It's like eat food and chill. Like that. I think that, that's top two. That's <laughs> it's you can't and actually so ch- not- chill might come in third. It might be number one, eat food. Number two, watch sports. Number three, chill. But but two and three are kind of go together. Watching sports and chilling kind of goes hand in hand. Well, then if you get a kid with colic, which this still baffles, you know, scientists and doctors, they no one's been able to figure out how to cure it. The kids get this thing called colic. Are you familiar with colic? Uh, I've heard the term and I know it's a it's an affliction of, of babies, but I'm not quite sure what it is it it generally lasts anywhere from like a month to two to three i could be wrong there but somewhere around that range and it basically just makes them scream and cry uncontrollably uncontrollably because there is something that is like just discomforting to them and it just lasts for like a month or two so not only can they not do anything for themselves they then become very loud very often 
and they just have no chill. It's that, just that, that it's just like a different me. life. It's a different life altogether. And so just go. We you know, we all got to go easy on Brandon. We don't know what he's he's going to be dealing with over the next three months. A uh, lot of noise and very little sleep. But I mean, it sounds like me after Husker football game though, like screaming and crying uncontrollably, can't chill. That's <laughs> I, I need to get tested. <laughs> Big Ten Big Ten West induced colic for adults. <laughs> all right, that, that 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 could be a thing. Um, all right, let's step aside. We'll check in with Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. Uh, he joins us next on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then... Two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Hail Varsity Radio, Saturday morning edition rolls on. Mark Cranach alongside Elijah Herbal. Chris Schmidt is out. He is uh, tending to his boys' baseball game out in western Nebraska in Grand Island. Boy, I'm really getting a lot of mileage out of that joke, aren't I? Yeah, western just, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> get it? Because <laughs> anything west of Lincoln is western Nebraska. Even if it's not, even if it's north. Of Lincoln, Norfolk's Western Nebraska. Uh, I, I, would, I, mean, I would, I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, yeah, it might as well be. Um, whether or not it makes geographical sense is besides the point. Um, Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, now joining us. Gary, good morning to you. The announcement this week: You're an Omaha guy. College World Series full capacity. Surprised? Excited? Your thoughts, sir? Well, first of all, coming from uh, eastern Nebraska, or at least east of uh, that western part of 680, good morning. Um, I would say that I was a little bit surprised. Uh, you know, it, it's been trending in this country where more and more outdoor venues, sports venues, are uh, moving towards 100% if they're not already there. But we're talking about the NCAA, and they've really given no guidance locally to CWS Omaha on what they were going to do outside of the 50%. So they were the people that handled tickets were moving forward and they were giving their season ticket holders options of how they were going to choose their tickets, um, what kind of packages they were going to go with. And then this was a, this was a quick about face by the NCAA. And I think the right move to get it to hundred percent, I can tell you there's a lot of people that own restaurants and hotels and other businesses that are impacted by the college world series are really, really excited. And then you turn that into some of the teams that could be here have passionate fan bases that you know that after missing the College World Series, they'd want to be here in 21. So it was a great day for uh, Omaha and the College World Series. And, uh, you know, just another sign. I, I think we're turning the uh, tide on the COVID in, in terms of people being comfortable going to large uh, gatherings, whether it be the College World Series where, you know, you're going to average probably 24,000 a game. Or in the middle of August, people don't bat an eye to say, yeah, I'll be one of 90,000 people at Memorial Stadium for a Garth Brooks concert. Yeah, Gary, one of the things that I feel like kind of got swept under the rug a little bit yesterday, I didn't hear much about it, and we haven't talked about it yet today, is that with the mask mandate ending in Lincoln yesterday, Husker events, sporting events, are now full capacity, zero masks. It just feels like, I mean, that, that's one of the things I've been waiting for for this, this entire year is, oh, yeah, I can get back to Husker sporting events, no masks, no restrictions. And, and that, that all came to fruition yesterday, that that got announced, and it just kind of feels like no one's talking about it. Yeah, well, I, I think, Elijah, if you, if you walked into a business yesterday in Lincoln, and, and it probably, you know, and some people are still wearing masks, and that's, that's fine, but it probably struck people that you walked into a business in Lincoln, and, and 
you didn't have to wear a mask or there weren't people wearing masks. I can tell you where I live in Omaha um, is a kind of an entertainment area. And people last night were packed and, you know, there weren't a lot of masks. I mean, I think we've all been on this treadmill for a while and we've all done our part to get vaccinated and people are doing the right thing to move, to move forward. I'm just, I'm excited from the standpoint of the country is starting to move forward. It's starting to open up. Um, people are being smart about what they're doing, but we're going to get to the fall guys and we're going to get back with our love of college football. It's going to be as normal as possible with full stadiums, the whole Saturday experience. And whether you own a business or you root for a, a team, I think that's the most important thing where you can go, oh, we made it. It hasn't been easy, but we've made it through you know, 16, 17 months. Yeah, Gary Sharp is with us on uh, Hale Varsity Radio. And, of course, Nebraska, the university announces that fully vaccinated people, no masks required um, on any campus building. So everything is uh, progressing towards that way. All right, let's um, get into baseball as we touched on the College World Series, a team that would love to get there, Nebraska. Unlikely, but they would love to. Um, Gary, they reeled off five in a row. They're, what, two games up in the Big Ten now? Yep. Um, on, on top of the standings, look, we're, when Nebraska went through that stretch with Rutgers and they got swept, do, do you think – that actually helped them because the way Nebraska's schedule works, it's backloaded with, you know, the top the top tier teams. Um, do you think they kind of needed to to see a quality opponent like that to spark a different competitive level and where they're at now? Well, I, I think they needed maybe a little come back down to earth because they got ranked that week prior to the Rutgers series. And they got shown what, you know, basically I've said the three-game sweep by Rutgers, they played Nebraska baseball against Nebraska. And, you know, and since then, Nebraska has responded accordingly. And at some point, you know, the baseball season is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You get a little wake-up call. And Nebraska locked it down, and they've been more focused. And you can see they're playing a lot better. And as a result, as the schedule, as you alluded to, Mark, got tougher, and it ramped up. Nebraska has been playing some of their best baseball, and, and maybe still their best baseball is ahead of them, but what they're doing is they're winning series, they're winning games, and who would have thunk it on the next-to-last Saturday of the season, in the regular season, Nebraska's got a two-game lead in the Big Ten. They probably have the coach of the year in Will Bolt. They probably have the freshman of the year in Max Anderson, and they're probably going to be a tough out if they're a two-seed going to a regional that is not in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yeah, Gary, you, you talked about Max Anderson, and then you also had Bryce Matthews last night uh, in, in that game. They drove in the first five runs for the Huskers. That that freshman ex- scoring explosion, I'd call it, is just really been – it's been the part of Husker baseball I think a lot of fans weren't expecting this year, how much these freshmen would step up. So, I mean, these guys still, I assume, are going to be playing in, until their junior years at Nebraska. Well, what can we expect out of these guys? Not to look too far ahead, um, but, I mean, these guys just seem like – difference makers right away. Can we be talking about maybe putting some pieces around these guys and, and maybe College World Series in, in three, four years could be something that this team could be shooting for? Well, I think that's always the goal at Nebraska. I think you got to be careful because I think Nebraska has some holes with their starting pitching to get you to a College World Series. But in terms of, of being good and at the top of the Big Ten and being a threat if you get into a regional, Nebraska definitely checks all those boxes. I think with those two, they're only going to continue to get better. And I think everybody needs to write a thank you card to Rob Childers, the former uh, Nebraska assistant who, by the way, might be done at Texas A&M after this season. Um, but 
because of uh, uh, the, the super seniors in the extra year, they ran out of spaces for Max Anderson. So he, the Millard West product stayed home. And I've watched him since he was a sophomore, and he was one of, if not the best player in the Metro for three years. So what he's doing is not surprising me, and I think he's only going to get better. I, I think he, he is, he's going to be here for three years, and then he's going to be a high draft pick. Um, but they've got a nice collection of young players and older players that they've integrated into the lineup. As we've talked, guys, now for weeks, this is a fun team to watch, and it's kind of rejuvenated a Nebraska fan base that so badly wants a men's sport to be successful and really wants baseball to get back to the glory days of Haymarket Park being packed, playing for conference titles in the NCAA tournament. And I think this baseball team has really ignited people. And I think it's also important, guys. You know, you don't want to put the, the decision by a committee in their hands. You want to make it very easy. And that's what Nebraska's doing. I think they're in the tournament at worst case, a three, you win the Big Ten, you're a two seed. Hopefully you can get away from the national number one seed if you win the Big Ten. But they're also doing this. They've got an opportunity this weekend when three of the four games are on national TV. People that are on the committee that haven't seen a lot of Big Ten baseball, they watch Nebraska. If Nebraska can go three and one this weekend, um, I think it really impresses the committee and, and solidifies where Nebraska's at and then sets up with, I think it'll be a great weekend next weekend with uh, Michigan coming to town, and you don't know if that's, Already the Big Ten's wrapped up, or you can win the Big Ten, but you're also going to have, as you guys were talking about, um, larger crowds because of the uh, expansion of the capacity. You mentioned uh, Rob Childress, you know, potentially stepping aside after this year. What, what, oh, I don't, what's I don't the story behind that? Stepping it, aside. Okay, well, yeah, did, yeah. For, for those who don't follow college baseball as well, like, what's the story behind that? Because, and why did I just get delusions of awesome? That means he's going to come back to Lincoln and be a volunteer <laughs> on both staff and get the band back together. <laughs> well, let, let, here's the thing, and, and I, Rob's been a, a really good friend for 20-plus years since I, I first met him when he showed up in 98 with DVH. Um, Texas A&M just has not been able to consistently be near the top of the SEC, and they got a, a relatively new athletic director. They've got a passionate fan base, and I don't think Rob's gotten a lot of support. Um, they're finishing up this weekend with LSU. It would not surprise me, unfortunately, if Texas A&M decides to go a different direction from Rob. Um, but then, you know, Rob is, Rob is a valuable assistant coach, or if he wants to continue to be a head coach, I mean, he's, he's going to be a, a nice commodity out there. But you're right, he's still got his place, not very far from Lincoln, um, that he comes back to. Hmm. You know, his, uh, his, uh, his kids graduated from Nebraska. Uh, so, so who knows? But, but there's also a guy in Fayetteville, Arkansas, that would say, Huh, a guy that knows the SEC that can recruit. Mm, man, could I have you come be on my staff and we'd do this again? Who knows? It's going to be, it would be kind of interesting. I, I, I hope that they don't make that move at Texas A&M, but, but multiple people I've talked to said it, the kind of the writing is on the wall for Rob. Now, mm-hmm. if, if that does happen down at Texas A&M, should Husker fans be worried about Texas A&M coming up to Nebraska and trying to poach Will Bolt back to Texas A&M, or do you think they're looking no, for a head coach of higher staff? No, you know what? Will Bolt has found his home. I mean, Will Bolt is home. He might be from Houston, and he might still have a little Texas accent. I think Will loves it here. His family loves it here. He, you know, the only drawback is the Big Ten, but Will Bolt is not, well, not a guy that's going to make up excuses. Will Bolt's going to find solutions. And if he knows that he can win at Nebraska, and I, I think he's got a nice home, I would expect Will to be here for a while. I mean, it's, he's very, very loyal. Bill Moose gave him his first opportunity to be a power 
five head coach. Uh, I don't I don't think you have to worry about that because I think Will knows with his staff he's got something going here, and he's also got a great facility. Um, he's got a great state that he knows well that he recruits in. Yeah, I, I don't think I would worry about Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M would go for a more established, longer-term uh, head coach for their program. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska baseball. You, you know, you mentioned the Big Ten, and look, it, it is what it is. There, there are some places that have facilities that rival Buck Belzer. You know, it's just it's just not <laughs> been a super point of emphasis. But at the same time, I look at I look at things like volleyball in the Big Ten, where Michigan looks like they're playing in a middle school gym. Yet the 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 conference as a whole is very strong, considered the best in the in the country in most circles. Do, do you think the Big Ten can change that reputation? Be, and, and the reason I'm asking that, Gary, is I'm I'm just looking at kind of the top end. And, you know, look, Indiana's gotten to the College World Series in relatively recent past. Michigan as well. Nebraska, distant past. But, you know, you see them. Make, I mean, there are quality programs at the top end. Do you think they can sort of change, sort of like they've done in football, Gary, where they were a very sleepy conference with, you know, nobody had lights at their stadium and just. You know, they were they were just behind the times, but they've caught up facility-wise and otherwise. Do you think that same resurgence or renaissance can happen with baseball? Maybe. Um, and it's kind of the Michigan effect of getting to the College World Series. Uh, I think there's the money issue. I think there's so many athletic departments, and probably it's going to hurt after you go through a pandemic year when it comes to baseball in the Big Ten is it's not a priority. It costs a lot of money. Uh, to be successful, it's going to cost even more money. Are we going to get a return on investment? If we put all this money into baseball, are we going to get butts in seats? Um, are we going to be able to make it a revenue-generating sport? Uh, you know, there's, just, there's not that many of those programs in the Big Ten that have that mindset from the athletic director's office that say, let's go and let's make baseball this big thing. And it will continue to plague Big Ten baseball. You know, they, they don't get the, the bump from their own network like the SEC does, where they, you know, and the SEC is the best baseball conference in America. Um, you know, there's just things with baseball that are always going to be a problem for the Big Ten, whether it be the weather or people not spending money. I think the, the, the depth is better in this league. The coaches are better in this league. It just doesn't have the attention. It needs more than a one-off of Michigan getting to the College World Series and playing for the national title. They need it on a consistent basis to bring up the profile of the Big Ten, but also to say to other schools around the Big Ten that are not at the top, hey, if you make an investment in the right coach and the right facilities, you can see a return on your investment. But I think after a pandemic, there's going to be a lot of athletic departments in this league that aren't already competitive in baseball are going to say, nah, let's just stay status quo. But there's some other places... They're winning consistently. They're at the top of the league. Nebraska's one of them. Iowa's one of them. You know, Minnesota's had a, just a terrible season, um, but they're usually at the top. Um, it's, just, it's, it's, it's always going to be that problem with Big Ten baseball and the national profile when you try and go out and recruit against Pac-12 schools or SEC or ACC schools or even Big 12 schools. Just sneaking this in here, Elijah, before you jump in. Yeah, Minnesota's lost 14 in a row. They're 4-27. and 27. And yeah, Dave Winfield had, is 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 you know very ashamed somewhere. Yeah. 
it's unbelievable how Minnesota has fallen off. They've had, they've had some COVID issues, but never in my wildest dreams did I think that a John Anderson team would only have four wins. Now, Gary, it's been fun talking baseball, but before we let you go, i got to talk a little bit of football. Um, there was uh, it's like stories, a lot of people talking this week about the Nebraska student section, saying that they're kind of treated like away fans being shoved into a corner, and it's not ruining the atmosphere at Memorial Stadium, but, but the, the, the atmosphere at Memorial Stadium isn't what it used to be. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's not what it used to be because the team that plays there, no. I mean, the, the, people say, well, you know, Nebraska's a tough place to play. It's a tough place to play when the team on the field is good. The, the, the atmosphere at Memorial Stadium is not threatening. We are the nicest people in the world. We say to the visiting team, hey, I hope you play well today. We clap for them coming off the field. What makes Memorial Stadium difficult is, unless you're Colorado coming in here on Halloween of 92 or Miami in 2014, what makes Memorial Stadium tough is the team that is on the field that plays there all the time, they're really, really good. Now, I do believe that they should take care of the students, but it's the tricky thing that you know, all of us have seen throughout our time at Nebraska is if you say, okay, students, we're going to give you better tickets, what if all of those tickets are not gobbled up? You know, they want the students, because they're your future donors and season ticket holders, you want them to, to have a great experience and be involved because it's worked like a Pinnacle Bank Arena with basketball. Um, but what happens if they don't gobble up the tickets? Winning cures all it, it, in so many different ways, and when it comes to student section and student involvement, I believe the same thing. Gary Sharp from uh, Hale Varsity, or uh, Gary Sharp from Hale Varsity. Hale um, Varsity Gary Radio on Saturdays. Yeah, exactly. You're your Hale Varsity, you're our, our, our adopted partner, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Gary, appreciate your time on on uh, on a Saturday. Hey, you know, farmers markets and stuff opening back up. You're gonna get out. 80 degree weather, getting a little sticky. Oh my gosh. Like, golf, right? Golf, golf, farmers markets. Um, you know something? I know the summer is on the way. We all have that one person in our life where we know that's, you know, rather a big fella. And they've got this time of the year in this part of the country, they've got the sweat towel, you know, that's draped over their shoulders that they go oh, yeah. everywhere with. I, I ran into somebody yesterday, so summer is on the way. Let me ask you guys real quick here because you got to, we got to do a little bit more football. 14 weeks away from today, the spread is out. Nebraska is a nine-and-a-half point favorite over Illinois. Yeah or nay? Wait, I, Ooh. nine and a half. Ooh. That, that, yeah, it's – Whenever – okay, a rule of thumb that I've learned about, especially for the NFL, is when it's on the sevens or the tens, you, you know, whichever way it's leaning, when it, right? You know when it's around the sevens or the mm-hmm. tens? Whichever way it's leaning, hmm, I, I tend to take Illinois there. Elijah? Um, is it nine or is it nine and a half? It's nine and a half. You got the hook. Mm, ten points is a lot. I I got to go with the Huskers though, just because it's it's a first year head coach at Illinois. He's got some talent. You got to think the Huskers gonna be motivated after that result last year. I, I I'll, I'll take the Huskers, but like it'll be close. It'll be like Huskers by thirteen. Oh, okay. All right. Well, anybody would take hey, Nebraska by one. I think anybody would take nowadays. Oh, very right, thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that one's a hard-hitting game, too. All of a sudden, I don't know. Like, Illinois seems like they take the Nebraska game personally for whatever reason. 
Have you noticed that? Just the level of well, physicality Bielema, in that Bielema game? will do that. Bielema will do that because he he wants to get off to a great start. They'll blow him up as his debut. And remember, he's starting to recruit in Nebraska as well. So he just like he was at Wisconsin, he didn't try and be a thorn in the side of Nebraska. But I think out of the box, wouldn't you rather have a more experienced defense than an experienced offense if you have to go on the road and play a game to start the season? Yeah, no question. No question. And then you look at JoJo Doman's freak show weight room numbers. He's going to have at least seven sacks and four picks. I mean, <laughs> hey, obvious. I hope so. It's been there've been some wild games in Champaign since Nebraska joined the Big Ten, and they haven't all have been good. Yeah, seven hundred some yards last time Nebraska went there. All right, Gary, appreciate you, man. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next weekend. You too, guys. All right, there's Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. Um, where are we at on time, Elijah? Uh, well, we, we should have been going to a break there about 10 seconds ago, but we can go for another 20 here. Uh, and just I'll, I'll just say, back at it Monday. Chris is going to be back in on a Monday. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's all I got here. So what do we got, 11 seconds now? Yeah, 9, 8, 7. How should we fill that, how should we fill that time? You know, let's get into the running back room. <laughs> and, uh, okay, all right, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time on Hale Varsity Radio.